Insiders, a very pleasant good afternoon to you, wherever you may be. This is your host, Bruce Ash, broadcasting live from the third level of my underground bunker located in Coronado, California, where the men are strong, the women are good-looking, and their parents are convinced their kids are way above average. Welcoming you to a special Father's Day edition of Inside Track. Happy Father's Day, all you guys out there. Eb Wilkinson is off today visiting with family. Eb and I will be back together next week with our national security expert, retired Navy Captain Robert Wells, along with author and defense expert Christopher Blatmer, discussing his new book, Why We Fight the Roots of War and the Path to Peace, as well as we'll be meeting with uh, online with a former congressman from Florida and ambassador to the Holy See, Francis Rooney. Abel Franzi had him uh, on the show with us uh, several years ago. It'll be good to hear back uh, from him t- uh, next week. Thanks for tuning in this afternoon. We welcome your calls today on the Essential Pest Live Line, which is 520-790-2040. Before we get rolling, let me remind you once more that Inside Track is brought to you by our great sponsors. Jamie and Gary Kipper from Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Their junk is your treasure. Call call Jamie or Craig at 209-1576. Our volunteer, sometimes guest host, Eric Rudin uh, at Essential Pest Control. He shares your dislike of bugs, vermin, and weeds. Call the Essential team at 886-3029. Joy and Alley at Corazon Cabinets, high-quality cabinets for your home you will love at a price you can afford. Call those Corazon kids at 488-2266. And don't forget, Inside Track supports Robin Stoddard and all of his flight and life trainers at Right Flight, where they help make kids stronger and self-reliant. Also supporting Inside Track is my uh, absentee, uh, get, uh, my absentee co-host, the aforementioned Eb Wilkinson from Wilkinson Wealth Management. Eb creates wealth for loads of gun owners just like you. Call him Monday at 777-1911. All of our sponsors are locally owned, family-run businesses. You can depend upon Eb and I do, so should you. Friends, the Essential Pest Control Live Line is live now and open to your calls at 790-2040 for your comments and questions. We have another great lineup for you this afternoon. Uh, Dr. Bart Pemberton and Dr. Grace Jason running for the Catalina Foothills School Board after a few words from me about Father's Day. And then the second half of today's show, Sally Pipes joins us from the Thomas H. Smith uh, fellowship in healthcare policy for the Pacific Research Institute, and I think you'll enjoy hearing what she has to say about healthcare today. Moms and dads, boys and girls, tomorrow is Father's Day all across America. I believe sons and daughters deserve having moms and dads in their lives. Dads can be especially important in the development of their children into better adults. Dads in the home are very important, not just to their individual families, but really to the future of our country as well. 
I want to say that I'm especially proud of our two sons, Mike and Matthew. Their four kids are especially blessed to have these two men in their lives to instill the values and provide the lives for their kiddos to be happy and to pass on those same values to their children for when they become parents sometime in the future. I was very fortunate myself to have a great dad. I am who I am today because of him. He taught me to be fair, devoted, and strong. I learned from him how important it is to keep my word as my bond. He taught me the value of hard work and putting the interests of others before myself in service. He was and still is my hero. And at the age of 70, he is still my hero uh, and my North Star. I aspire to be the man he was and think our sons, luckily, are on the same path. Paul's life was influenced first by the murder of his own father in 1935. This was before his fifth birthday. Growing up in the tenements of the Lower East Side of New York without a father during the Depression was not easy. Most of his friends never escaped the poverty and rough life there. Paul was looking for his path out of poverty, and he left high school at age 15 years and 10 months to join the U.S. Army as an underage volunteer. As a military policeman, he escorted the bodies of GIs who were returning from Europe and Asia to their resting places here in the States. On one of those trips out west, he discovered Tucson and decided to settle here when he was discharged from service. While he was a student at the University of Arizona, he met my mother on a blind date in 1951 and married my mother, Luana, a few months later. To support his new family, he sold vacuums at Sears and learned the art of salesmanship. Later, he was a salesman for an appliance distributor driving all through southern Arizona to the little towns and the big towns where he, dealt, where he developed a reputation for service. In 1965, he got himself into the real estate business, selling, buying, developing, and managing real estate. While doing all of this, my dad became a world-class weightlifter, um, and uh, he was nicknamed by sports editor uh, at the Arizona Daily Star, Abe Channon, as the strongest Jew in the world. Um, Paul won two national championships, set American lift records, was an alternate in the 1956 Olympics. He won two golds in the 1957 and 61 World Maccabee Games in Israel, where he became a national hero, which helped define his life. He spent the rest of that life in support of young athletes and Israel. Paul felt the high point of his life was leading the campaign to build our local Jewish community center which is an important part of life for Jews and non-Jews alike. He loved life, he believed in himself, and he taught me many life lessons I've tried to pass on to our two sons. Despite acquiring great wealth, he believed in helping others, and his estate has been left solely to the communities he loved both here in Tucson and in Israel. The epitaph on his grave says it all. His charity endures. Paul Ash really never knew his father, but he made sure his family knew him. He helped guide our lives, and his legacy continues. And um, just my personal uh, message to all the dads out there, we all come from different places and have had different uh, experiences, uh, 
my dad was a one of a kind and I hope your dad was too. And, and to all the men of my uh, age and younger, um, I hope you're great dads too. Mr. Producer, let's take our first break. You're listening to Inside Track. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with our Catalina School District Governing Board candidates, Dr. Bart Pemberton and Dr. Grace Jason. Stand by. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing metal plate and roofing materials, as well as new and used steel, aluminum, and stainless steel to ranchers, artists, interior designers, roofers, and do-it-yourselfers, just like all of the listeners here. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail is open Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon. Tucson Iron and Steel Retail, 701 East 36th Street. Call 520-209-1576 or go to TucsonIronRetail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. Instead of an activity where every kid gets a trophy, those who graduate from Wright Flight get to fly a plane. But only if they get good grades, are well-behaved, and pass a written test. I'm Robin Stoddard, an ex-fighter pilot. I founded Wright Flight because I knew it could help kids reach new heights in their schools, homes, and communities. Endorsed by educators at every level, nonprofit Wright Flight has changed thousands of lives since 1986. Learn more at rightflight.org. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you think what's happening in Ukraine can't happen here, think again. Look who's occupying the White House. This is one of many things our forefathers predicted and ensured those rights in our Constitution. We manage money for gun owners. Call me at 777-1911 or WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. As you know, Eb and I are committed to bringing as many primary candidates to the show between now and our August primary. I'm pleased to welcome doctors, uh, doctors Jason and uh, Pemberton, who are candidates running for the Catalina Foothills School Board. Uh, I am so pleased that both of you could join us today. Um, hey, for nearly 14 years, every time I spoke to Republican groups in Arizona, uh, when I was elected uh, as a national party official, I urged listeners to run for school boards. I believe that locally elected officials make much greater contributions to their community and impact more um, and serve more lives serving on school boards and local offices rather than running for Congress and all kinds of statewide offices. Now, the left figured this lesson out a long time ago, and the schools today reflect the maligned effect of their strategies which have profoundly changed our community and uh, the way that our kids think today. 
I guess it took the COVID emergency mask mandates and Joe Biden's policies to change that. Welcome to Inside Track, uh, Dr. Jason and Dr. Pemberton. Um, uh, Dr. Jason, you bring us you bring some significant resources to the position as school board member, as you're a professional psychologist. I'm sure some people think you've lost your mind running for school board, <laughs> but, how, but how does your professional background prepare you to serve as a school board member? We'll get to you in just a second, Bart. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your program this morning or this afternoon. Um, I have a master's of science degree in nursing as well as a PhD in psychology. And I have had extensive experience over the years. I've taught nursing at the University of Arizona, at the University of Texas, at Incarnate Word University in San Antonio, Texas. And I have been in private practice for the last, oh, 36 years, actually, as a licensed psychologist. Also, I had dual uh, relationships with hospitals as a staff psychologist or a, uh, and a director of nursing. So I have um, actually led an entire uh, program in the hospital of everything. We had units, adolescent units, child units, medical surge units, and psychiatric care. And so I am probably um, more uniquely in some respects uh, able to understand the nature of the psychological dilemmas, et cetera, and, and the educational process that goes on. And so I'm, because I got so alarmed at what I've been observing both in my office as well as uh, what I've seen happen with uh, our children and our adolescents in this lockdown, I became extremely concerned and decided to try to do something about it, at least I figure if I'm in the room, then maybe I can affect some change. Yeah, just just like my my theory that you have to be in the room and 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 uh, at the table, otherwise nothing gets done. Right, Doctor Pemberton, right. you're you're a different sort of a doctor, uh, but a very important doctor uh, to lots of people who depend upon you. Um, what do you think, in your professional background or in your personal ethos, uh, qualifies you to run for school board at this time? Uh, that's a great, great question, and thank you, Bruce, uh, for having us. Uh, well, I've uh, been in practice for 25 years in Tucson, <clears throat> private practice, and uh, I uh, uh, graduated from uh, UC Berkeley, the, their school of optometry. It seems like a million years ago now, but the uh, and uh, so I have a extensive. Uh, experience running a practice and which is just another fancy name for saying a small business. Uh, I, uh, my children are in the Catalina Foothills School District and I think what uh, qualifies me or what mo I, maybe a better way to say is what motivates me is <clears throat> the lack of transparency and the heavy handedness of the board this past two years. Uh, when they initially uh, banned masks uh, before it was struck down as being passed in an unconstitutional way. They, uh, you know, they wanted to reinstitute the masks. They, <clears throat> and the board meetings got very crowded and contentious. And as soon as they got their favorable re ruling, they used as an excuse to shut down in-person board meetings. And that's when I really began to consider running. 
And mm-hmm. I, that's pretty much my motivation. They did not want public input f- uh, th- with which they disagreed. And I thought that that's just, that's just un-American. So I, I said, I've got to put my money where my mouth is. And so that's why, that's why I'm running. So, so the two of you really join um, what is probably hundreds, certainly, and if not thousands of concerned parents around the country who have been in those meetings um, and have been ignored by, uh, by school board officials. Um, talk, about, talk about how you would, in the future, uh, be more responsible and, and great. Uh, and, and Dr. Jason, you can start first, if you don't mind, uh, how you would be more um, supportive and more looking out for um, parents' rights as well as the rights of students. Absolutely. I am very, very, very concerned about the fact that our parents have been basically locked out of uh, being able to have their voices heard. And um, we need to remember that, you know, um, our, the parents are the primary um, people in our, in, our, in our children's lives and children's lives, and they need further direction with regard to some of these things. They don't need to be locked out of anything. You know, I had somebody say to me when they heard I was running for school board, board aren't you afraid of the parents? And I said, Oh my God, no. They are, you know, parents are advocates for their children and the board should be advocates for their, for the children as well. And, um, school districts should not adopt procedures that prohibit parents from accessing any of the education, health records or direction that these schools are taking. And I'm very concerned that that we're really off target. Somehow, there has been a, politi- a politicization of our schools. So, you know, the direction is getting very skewed, and it's very dangerous for our young people. It's very, they're very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Pemberton, parents are concerned about uh, education and messages from educators about gender, sexuality, and, and this goes to, to the very, very youngest children in schools today. Your thoughts about the impact of these complicated messages that they have on our youngest students and, and talk about the website uh, at uh, uh, on Kelly and Foothills uh, District, uh, their website, where children are directed to a um, a link run by outsiders, uh, where they can talk about gender and sexuality, and and you know why is why is this sort of thing going on at what has been up until recently really thought of as one of the best run school districts anywhere in Arizona. Well, the. <clears throat> Yes, the, these are all the very important issues. I, I think the first thing that we we try to remember is that well, we want every we want what's best for all the children, but of course, parents want what's best for their their own biological children first off, which is of course normal. And <clears throat> when when we're dealing with issues like this that are Especially children that, let's say, are minors that are undergoing tremendous confusion. Uh, the, the parents need to be involved, and I think even though their intentions may be good, stuff like that's on this website or the links that are provided by the right. by the counseling department, they are going to outside groups without parental knowledge or permission, and they are 
whether they mean to or not, they are undermining the parents. And one of the sites that you that you can click on, it says you're leaving the Catalina Foothills website. Fine. But you go in there and it has like what they call click here for quick escape, uh, you know, in case mom or dad walk by and, you know, you don't want them to know what websites you're on. I mean, these are things that are <clears throat> these are just very disturbing. I, I don't I, this seems to be, you know, we're supposed to work with parents. You know, if we're elected, we want to work with par- parents are our allies. Parents are uh, it's a job of the board to, to help get the best educational results for the children possible. And that means working with the parents, not treating the parents as if they're the problem or they're an enemy. And I think so. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it goes to a youth chat room lounge, this particular site. And it is run by um, um, a national health center, uh, which sounds like it would be wonderful, except that it suggests that there are, you know, um, there are basically advisors and people to speak with um, to help with anyone's quote unquote gender identity or sexual orientation and to use your chosen name or pronoun. And then it goes into, you know, these rooms are set up to be safer, spa- safe spaces. But here's the issue. If they have people to, besides that, who are these people who are uh, basically in the room um, guiding the discussion um, and you know um, how do we know they're safe and not pedophiles frankly I mean I, I just think that you know parents need to know these kind of things and if there are issues with regard to their children you know they need to be that needs to be handled uh, not by the school and not be and not directed by the school um, but by the individual parents and the correct professionals, because we're right. seeing you know too much um, uh, influence uh, at a very vulnerable age, you know, because kids want to be okay, and they, I mean, they want to be accepted, and they've been, you know, um, socially. Um, put in a different position the last couple of years here. So I think they're much even more vulnerable now to any kind of suggestion. Dr. Dr. Pemberton and Dr. Jason, uh, we normally ask our guests at Inside Track who are running for political office what the stated purpose of government is, as defined in, in the Arizona State Constitution. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give both of you a pass right now, although I'm pretty sure both of you uh, uh, know what the stated purpose is. It's, it's to protect people from the government. A school district is part of government. And, and I guess what what you're talking about is protecting the rights of parents as well as students against the will of, of this government, this Catalina Foothills School Board, uh, who is doing some things that um, they, they're, they're not transparent. They are, um, uh, they are influencing children from a very, very young age, not just on sexuality, but with respect to history and, and you know, of our country and government and so on. Are, are you two willing to uh, pledge that you are going to be advocates for parents and for children and that you're there to protect the, the parents and the children who, are, who you are protecting if you're elected? Absolutely. Most, yes, abs- 
absolutely, 100%. This is, well, people need to understand, I don't mean to interrupt you, Bart, but, um, you know, oh, they no, need to understand this is, this is a nonpartisan elected position. It is not a paid position. And my point about that is that we, we, we truly want to be advocates for our students and our parents. You know, we need to we need to put our, the parents in the room also with us. Right on. Uh, so, Dr. Jason, uh, Dr. Pemberton, you're running with the third candidate uh, as a team for the Catalina Foothills School Board. Um, uh, we hope that we can have you on again uh, with your with your other partner, maybe in the studio as well. Um, friends, these are concerned parents and knowledgeable professionals who are committed to represent and listen to parents that are concerned about their kids. Uh, education and socialism and socialization. Um, I support them. I, 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 I've made it a point not to get involved in endorsements, uh, but I believe in these two and, and really think that you should also, if you're eligible to vote in Catalina Foothills School District, you need to be voting for Dr. Uh, Jason and Dr. Pemberton and your, and your uh, third uh, teammate, uh, Bart, if you could. Bill Morgan. Bill, Bill Morgan. Morgan. So Jason, Morgan, and Pemberton, they're the team that you need to be voting for in this election. Thanks to both of you for coming on the show. I appreciate you taking time out of your day. And uh, we will um, uh, talk with you uh, down the road. Thank you. Very, thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, friends, we're going to go ahead and take our bottom of the hour break. And when we do, we'll be hearing from Sally Pipes from the Pacific Research Institute. The topic is health care. We'll be right back. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. A lot of the, the cities and the counties around have initiatives for artists. I think we're one of the premier artist suppliers for steel. First Saturday of every month, you can come down early and actually go through the scrapyard across the street. It's seven acres of metal. You can walk through with our people and pick out what you want. It's always interesting to see what the artists have done. We've done uh, actually a couple projects with the U of A engineering department and music department where the engineering music students came down together. They had to pick something out of the scrap and uh, they had to build an instrument. And we have one of those in front of the plant. Some really cool things come out of the scrap. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard. 701 East 36th Street, open Monday through Saturday. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? <sighs> no, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. This is Eb Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. Are you letting rising inflation interfere with your ammo budget? Don't do that. Let us show you how to buy the same goods and services 20 years from now as you can today. We manage money for gun owners and we can guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911 or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com. 
Welcome back to Inside Track. As you know, Em and I have recently been fo- focusing on health care because it's something Americans are very worried about, but there doesn't seem to be real consensus uh, by Republicans who are running uh, in the midterm elections. Our guest for the balance of the show today is somebody that you ought to hear from. Her name is Sally Pipes, and she is the Thomas W. Smith Fellow in Healthcare Policy at the Pacific Research Institute. Uh, Sally steers the national conversation in healthcare policy through her weekly uh, Newsmax column, bi-weekly columns uh, for Forbes.com and the Washington Examiner, Beltway Confidential blog, and op-eds published in newspapers around the country. Her writings have appeared in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, USA Today, Newsweek, etc., 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 all of them nationwide. Welcome to Inside Track, Sally. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, one of the reasons uh, I think GOP candidates were crushed in the 2018 midterms, and again, uh, but maybe to a lesser extent in the 2020 election, was everybody knew what Republicans were about. They were against Obamacare, but candidates were not able or not uh, able to uh, articulately uh, talk about what their health care policy would be going forward. Uh, I think you believe that um, uh, unless things change, Republicans might make the same mistake in 2022? Well, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I mean, uh, Donald Trump was elected president in 2016, and the Republicans had the House and the Senate. But, and they had the opportunity. They ran on repealing and replace, replacing Obamacare. But in fact, you know, they weren't able to get it done, which was very, very sad for all of us who had been um, pushing for repeal and replacement of Obamacare. It, Obamacare became law signed by President Obama on March 23rd, 2010. And the Republicans, you know, it, it took, you know, Arizona Senator um, John McCain to, you know, not allow this to happen. And so here we are Don't now remind in 2022. Us. Don't oh. remind us, Sally. We're, we're painfully aware of, of that, of that oh, downward oh. Uh, vote. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yes, it was very, very, very sad and very disappointing for all of us who were concerned about the Republicans, you know, seizing control of, of the health care debate. And now here we are. It's 2022. The midterms are coming up. The Republicans do have a great opportunity as of today to take take real control back of the House and take control of the Senate. And so it's time for them to, you know, come forward with their positive agenda um, on health care reform. It's fine to say, no, 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 we don't like public option. We don't like single payer. We don't like the way the VA is treating our vets. But on the other hand, they have to have a positive agenda. And that's what my main educational issue is, presenting the Republicans with a personal option, with putting um, expanding choice and competition in health care so that the American people will know what they stand for and why it's going to be good for their health, getting better coverage and reducing the, the cost of health care. So, friends, Sally is with, as I said, the Pacific uh, Research Institute. Um, the mission, and I'm reading right from their, from their website, uh, of the Institute is to champion freedom, opportunity, and personal opportunity for all individuals by advancing free market policy solutions. This is a, this is a good organization. You really ought to visit their website. They have uh, scholars in a number of different areas. Healthcare is the area that Sally uh, is uh, most interested in. And, and uh, I, I guess, Sally, it's safe. It's reasonable to say that you're focused on a, like you said, a market oriented 
patient-focused approach to healthcare uh, policy, which can fix the inadequacies. Not, it's going further than just the the uh, uh, it, it, you know in some cases the the lack of uh, equity, uh, but the inadequacies in our current system to deliver the kind of personal freedom that voters say they want. What would that look like exactly, and how would it work? Floor is yours. Well. Well, exactly. So, you know, um, Senator Bernie Sanders, who has been pushing for single-payer health care, I think probably since the day he was born, I call him the Pied Piper of single-payer health care. And, of course, you know, Joe Biden ran against him to, to get the nomination. He was pushing the public option, a government insurance plan, to compete against private insurance, which ultimately is a stepping stone approach to single-payer and would crowd out um, all private insurance and ultimately leave us in a single-payer system. So 36% of Americans polled um, do not support single payer because when they find out that it means they'd lose their employer-based coverage, they would um, have to face much higher tax increases. And there would be long waits for care, like in Canada, where I'm from, where the average wait from seeing a primary care doctor to getting treatment by a specialist last year, 25.6 weeks. That's almost half the year. Is it any wonder that over 200,000 Canadians cross the border every year and come into the U.S. to pay out of pocket for MRIs, CT scans, PET scans, shoulder replacements, all of these things. So what I believe is that the American people, they like choice, they like competition. And so what the Republicans need to do is run on an agenda, a personal option agenda, which would A, reduce cost and B, result in every many more people having access to care. That would involve, you know, expanding health savings accounts, which 20 million Americans today have HSAs. They, you put your money away in an account, um, every month, and it, you, it's tax-free. You carry it forward throughout your life. Originally, you couldn't carry it forward. It only lasted for that year, but now you can carry it forward. And it's a tremendous way, A, to save money and put people in charge of their health care. So, you know, right now you can put away $3,650 a year as an individual, 7300 as a family, but we need to expand that significantly. And the Republicans need to say, for those people on Medicare, people 65 and over who are on Medicare, the government program for seniors, they should be able to contribute to a health savings account too, if, if they want and if they, they can afford it. But right now they can't do that. So expanding HSAs, putting people in charge of their health care is a key component of my agenda. Also, short-term limited duration plans. You know, Obama, under Obamacare, he said that the short-term limited duration plans um, could only be renewed for up to three months, which is ridiculous. And so from the one year originally, then when Trump came into office, he expanded, he changed that so that people could put money into a short-term plan for one year and carry it forward for three years. And so, you know, short-term limited duration plans are much cheaper. They don't have all of the mandates such as alcohol rehabilitation and vitro fertilization. But for people who are between jobs, or for younger people who, you know, not in this age bracket anymore, but for the young invincibles who probably are going to be healthy and don't want a health care plan that covers all of these things, it's a great way for them to have coverage. And if a catastrophe happens, then they will have coverage. So those are two things. Another one is um, scope of practice. 26 states in D.C. now allow full scope of practice, which means that nurse practitioners, physicians' assistants can do a lot of the things they're trained to do and that doctors have been, you know, um, having sort of monopoly control over. But now, I mean, these states, um, um, NPs and PAs have 
control. They don't need a doctor in the in their um, room to um, oversee it. And this is a way, you know, to cut costs and allow doctors to have time to spend with those patients who really need uh, the doctor's expertise and 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 work. So, uh, short-term limited duration plans, getting rid of hospital certificate of need laws, which. Funnily enough, California, which is one of the worst states where I live in the nation for government control, at least we don't have certificate of need laws, which means that if you, um, Bruce, want to set up your own hospital, and I already have a hospital in your neighborhood, the, you would have to get approval from me and, this, and, the, and the state for, for you to open your hospital. And, so, um, and if I want to keep control and have more control, then I don't want you to have um, your hospital because you'll take business away from me. And so we need to uh, get rid of these certificate of need laws and let, let the market actually uh, work. So those are Sally, the things that I'm supporting. Yeah, Sally, I just want to invite our listeners, if you have a question for our guest, Sally Pipes, you can call into the Essential Pest Control Live Line, 790 all of us are interested in healthcare. All of us are interested in knowing uh, how we can keep ourselves as healthy as possible for as long as possible without having to spend hours and all of the government's money. Um, let's let's uh, get back to the uh, HSAs uh, as a starting point, Sally, because as you said, 20 million people have them. Um, what what kind of a role? Uh, could uh, HSAs play if there if there wasn't the low uh, tax deductibility uh, um, sort of aspect to HSAs? It's really it's very just pennies. Uh, but you know, as you get older, uh, even if you're in middle age, I mean, you you could face catastrophic injuries or you could face catastrophic illness. That if you don't have insurance, you need an HSA, and if you're just putting thirty six hundred bucks in because you know, that's all you could put in to, to get a tax deduction. How, how, how do HSAs play a significant role in creating that personal freedom that you uh, are advocating? Well, I mean, this puts patients in charge of their health care. I mean, you know, if you go to the doctor and he says you need an MRI, and he says, oh, by the way, I, I you know, there's an MRI um, clinic just down, you know, down a couple of floors or down the street, um, or you could go if you're, you go to your doctor in a hospital and he says we have an MRI thing. Well, you know, if it's not urgent, um, you want to find out which 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 is the best and which is the cheapest. You know, there's a tremendous variance in in price in MRIs, CT scans, a lot of these things. So if you have an HSA, you're able to shop around and find out, you know, what what is the best place for you to get your your MRI or your CT scan. And so, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, as Milton Friedman used to say, when people are in charge of their health care, they will make good decisions about how to spend their money and it's not, and without government getting more and more involved. I mean, 50% of our health care in America today is in the hands of government. We don't have a free market in health care. And then you have the Affordable Care Act with all of their essential mandates and subsidies and all of these things. So HSAs, give people uh, control. And as you say, $3,650 isn't much. People should be able to put away at least what they can put away in their 401k, their uh, retirement plans. And, you know, if you start when you're young and then you build that money uh, going forward and your HSA has to be tied to a high deductible insurance plan. So as you mentioned, I mean, if, if you have an HSA and, you, and you're spending money for whatever you, you know, whatever, whether it's a uh, ENT examination or whatever, but should you get cancer or have a heart issue, you have that 
um, high deductible plan that covers catastrophes. So, you know, it's a win-win for, for the American people. Uh, Sally, we have Donna on the line with a question. Donna, go ahead. You're on with Sally Pipes. Well, I just wanted to, like what you're saying, how scary it is that the government has so much control over our health care. Now they're, they're threatening to take away, if you know who Dr. McCullough is, they're threatening to take away his license because he put forth a COVID protocol that they did not approve of, but it worked. I used it for my son. I, sent it, I got it from Amazon, and I sent it across the country for him to use when he had COVID, and it works. Whereas they were putting people in the hospital and giving them stuff that actually killed them, so that's the really scary part that people won't have are not having control over their own health care, which they are now to a, to an extent, but they're trying to take that away. Thank you, Donna. Well, exactly. and, and Donna has been in the healthcare. Uh, uh, she's had a career in healthcare, so she knows she knows where she's coming from. Well, and as, as I say, I mean Bernie Sanders who's chair of the Senator Bernie Sanders, who's chair of the Senate Budget Committee and who has been pushing single payer for his whole life. I mean, you know, he now on May 12th in the Senate budget hearing brought in another single payer health care uh, bill. It would the cost. It has been costed out this plan at 40 trillion dollars over 10 years at four four uh, trillion dollars a year. We'd be spending more on health care than we are currently and it would be the same as in, the, in, in Canada, where I'm from, where there's no private coverage at all, allowed at all. So the American people would face much higher taxes. Sanders has even admitted that. They would face ration care. So older people would not have access to care. My own mother died from colon cancer as a senior in Canada because there were too many um, younger people with, with um, similar um, symptoms that she had that were on the waiting list. And so she was denied a colonoscopy and only got one when she was hemorrhaging and went to the hospital and, and was in the ER and she died two weeks later from metastasized colon cancer. This is how government, you know, runs things. And this is not the American way. And, you know, Sanders keeps, you know, telling people. And then he gets up on the stump and says, you know, um, single-payer health care in Canada, it's free. Well, it's not free. The Nothing's free. <laughs> The average Canadian taxpayer pays over family pays over fifteen thousand dollars in a year in hidden taxes for this ration care and waiting times of over twenty five point six weeks uh, from seeing a primary care doctor treatment by a specialist. This is not the American way. And my mom would say, "You're becoming an impatient American." Americans won't stand for this. But once you get these programs, as Milton Friedman said, they're very very difficult to get rid of. So my job and your job is to educate the American people on why we need the personal option and getting government, increased government out of the health care system and not supporting it. Hmm. Um, so if, 40 per, if only 40 percent of the country supports a single pay, um, and 36, frankly, I don't... 36 percent, yep. So if only 36 percent of Americans support single payer, <laughs> why why aren't Republican politicians anxious knowing that over 60 percent of the public favors, uh, uh, you know, these these health care options? And why and why aren't they doing more uh, to to run on that and and offer that uh, when they become members of Congress or the, or the U.S. Senate? Well, I mean, this is this is a key question. I mean, there's you know, as my mom would say, the $64 million question. I mean, it's, you know, it, one of the things I think the Republicans find difficult is healthcare is complicated. It's difficult to put yep. 
you know, your solution on the back of an envelope. So that's why what I do is try to make it understandable so the man in the street understands what it would mean for their health care. So they're kind of nervous, you know, about having to talk about it. And, you know, you know when, when Bernie Sanders and Pramila Jayapal and AOC get up there and say, well, health care would be free, everyone would have the very best care, and that, of course, they won't. But, you know, it, it, it sounds terrific when, when you're told, you know, your health care would be free and it would be, it would be fantastic. So, as I say, the Republicans need to, you know, stop, you know, hiding behind, you know, um, um, a face mask and, and understand and, and tell the people, this is what we support. This is what we're, we're in favor of. And we don't want the government to fully take over um, our health care system. And, and so it's very, um, it, it, it's straightforward and it's good. And interestingly, um, uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy, who the Republican uh, minority leader, minority speaker, um, he actually has set up a five health care task force, 17 Republican uh, House members are part of these task forces. And he's talking about, you know, telehealth, which remember, I've been promoting telehealth for, for eons, and it took the pandemic for telehealth to actually come into being. And now, you know, the American people are finding telehealth terrific. I mean, you, you can talk to your doctor, you can set up your appointment, and it's a lot cheaper. You don't have to go drive to an appointment, sit in a waiting room. It's, it's much better. And I'm hoping that telehealth now will be available uh, to everyone. It's another way to redu- help to reduce costs and to help get people, people to get uh, better, better health care. But it's, the good news is that these task forces, I'm hoping that you know, the Republicans will be able to talk about these um, uh, um, solutions that come out of, of, of these task forces so that they can educate the American people on what you know, we believe in will lead to affordable, accessible, quality health care for all. Health insurance uh, companies, the the major health uh, care carriers, uh, they're probably not in favor of a lot of this, um, are they? Well, no. I mean, you know, remember, I mean, it was interesting back in 2009, 2010, when the insurance industry was supporting, you know, Obamacare and and the subsidies. Um, Obama said we will everyone will lead will lead to bending the cost curve down and getting everybody covered with insurance. And of course, neither of those uh, solutions have actually happened. But I think the insurance industry thought, oh, with, with Obamacare, with the exchanges, uh, with the subsidies, we will make, make more money because we'll have more people um, covered. But of course, you know, that hasn't happened. And then a lot of states, you know, that have uh, exchanges, whether it's covered California, covered California and California, you know, the exchanges, the coverage is if you're not if you don't if you don't qualify for a subsidy, which of course you know the the Dem- progressive Democrats want the subsidies subsidies to be higher and higher. But if you don't qualify, the premiums were very expensive, the deductibles were absolutely impossible, and there was a small network of doctors and hospitals. In many states, you know the number of insurers that joined the exchanges was like one or two, and so there weren't a lot of options. So I think the insurance industry found out that this was not. Um, you know, a great solution, but, but they really need to, you know, focus on, you know, the, the solutions that I'm talking about. And of course, you know, the um, insurance industry, how often do you see a new entrant into the health insurance industry? Very rarely, because of all the mandates and regulations, which add tremendously to the cost of coverage, no one in their right mind would enter the, as a new insurer in the marketplace, 
because of, of these mandates and regulations. So it's it's a small, you know, it's Aetna, it's United, it's uh, Anthem, it's Blue Shield. It's, uh, you know, very few, but they have control. But they certainly found out that under Obamacare, a lot didn't go into the exchanges because they realized it wasn't going to be in their best interest. And yet the American people found that, you know, if you even if you signed up for a gold or platinum exchange plan, you'd call up your doctor and say, well, you know, I have the platinum plan or the exchange or the gold plan. Um, I need to see, you know, Dr. Pipes. And they'd say, well, I'm sorry, but we're not taking that coverage. And so, you know, it's very, very demoralizing. People think, well, I paid all this money and paying all this money. And yet, you know, my doctor isn't taking it because the reimbursement rates for doctors are still are very low for for um, for patients on the exchanges. So we just have a couple minutes uh, left in the show today. So I, I want to focus for just a second on on um, uh, older Americans uh, who are who 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 have Medicare, um, and you know, in addition to to the basic coverage, um, you know, I pay close to five hundred dollars a month for the for all the other coverages. I was paying five hundred dollars a month for my entire. Uh, healthcare uh, insurance costs, you know, before I went on Medicare. Um, how would HSAs um, uh, help cover the supplemental care items for people on Medicare also? Well, no, I mean, that's a, a great point. People think, you know, when we're working and we're contributing, you know, the Medicare, all these Social Security taxes, Medicare taxes, and you, they think, the, the average American thinks, well, when I retire, I'm going to get free uh, medic- health care coverage under under Medicare. And it, that's not the way it is. You have to pay, you still have to pay a premium. And because dots are reimbursed at 38 to 40% below what they get reimbursed by taking myself as a patient um, who has, you know, Anthem um, and Anthem PPO, um, you know, when you're reimbursed so low, a lot of docs won't, you know, take these uh, Medicare patients. So Medicare patients have to either sign up for Medicare Advantage plan or a Medicare supplemental plan under like a Blue Shield. And that costs us, as you say, a significant amount of money um, every month. But if you don't do that, you know, in many cases, you can't find a doctor um, or if you do find a doctor, they're very reluctant to, you know, take you right away. So having an HSA would allow you, you know, to pay the supplemental when you tell your doctor, I'm on Medicare, but I have an HSA and I can pay out of pocket for the um, the overage of what it is that Medicare will pay. And many doctors will want to take this. And then and then and, and the uh, the idea uh, of opening up what medical costs really are, because, you know, we we get a diagnosis and nobody ever, I, I'm not saying that you go try to find the cheapest uh, care possible if you've got a brain tumor, but, but, right. you know, there's, there's no discussion about, about the fees because somebody else is paying the bill. Um, you're also advocating, I think, uh, the ability to get that information so that you can get the best care at the best price, right? Well, exactly. I mean, as Milton Friedman would say, you know, um, 170 million Americans have employer-based coverage. We never should have set that up that way, but during World War II when wage and price controls in, it was a gift to employers. And yeah. so, you know, today we have it, but, but you know, it's, it's first-dollar coverage. People don't know, you know, they think, well, you know, I have a small copay or a small deductible with my employer coverage, but, you know, they, they use a lot more of it because they think if they pay a copay of $30, that's what it costs. They have no idea. And so that's why it's so important um, to have price transparency. And, you know, there's a bill right and there's a law where hospitals, 
you know, have to, you know, post their prices but and, or pay a fine. But very few hospitals are actually posting their prices. But we need to have price transparency in all aspects of our health care. Hmm. Well, Sally, we're at that time of the show that we're always fighting with the clock at the end. Oh, yes. um, tell, yes. tell our listeners how they can find out more about Sally Pipes and the Pacific uh, Institute. Uh, give, us that, um, give us that website, please. Yes, thank you. It's www.pacificresearch.org. And all of my writings and perambulations are all there, in addition to our work on education and energy prices and all of the terrible things that are happening uh, in the country right now. Well, thanks very much for joining us. And uh, we're glad uh, that you had an opportunity to uh, sit down with us. Uh, we probably will be talking about healthcare a lot more between now and uh, the fall election. And hopefully, if Republicans are successful uh, in uh, control of both houses, perhaps there is a way forward on uh, the uh, advancements that you and, and your colleagues have been talking about. Insiders, on behalf of my broadcast partner, Eb Wilkinson, we hope you've enjoyed our show today uh, with Sally Pipes and with uh, Bart Pemberton and uh, Dr. Jason. Our show is podcast both on the KVOI website and on Apple Podcasts. Close to 130 Inside Track episodes are shown at Apple Podcasts. I thank Sally Pipes for her participation today. And until next week, when we have another great show planned for you for Inside Track, this is Bruce Ash. I thank you for listening in today. And for all you dads out there, hope you have a great Father's Day. We'll talk with you again in 167 hours. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. What other kind of customers do you have? So our biggest customers are actually like ranchers and yeah. people from outside of the Tucson area. They're buying a lot of square tubing. They're buying a lot of stuff for their ranch to close off fences. We'll sell anything from 10 feet to 10,000 feet to somebody that comes in because we have new steel and surplus steel from steel mills. The reason we're able to get such good pricing on some of this stuff is A, we sell scrap to the mill. So uh, we have a relationship there and then we can buy material, what they're making, bringing it back. And so we save on freight and we have relationships for years with them. So I think that's really our niche market. We'll sell whatever you need. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management reminding you that every good and excellent thing stands moment by moment on the razor's edge of danger and must be fought for, including getting out of debt, building your wealth, and protecting your God-given right. We manage money for gun owners. Let us help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me at 777-1911 or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com.